Welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Tim Regan for Senior Housing News. For today's episode, I spoke with Rob Leinbach, principal of Cadence Living, the Scottsdale, Arizona-based company, owns and or operates 26 communities across the U.S., and Leinbach and I talked in early January. Cadence Living managed to grow its portfolio in 2020 despite feeling pressure from the COVID-19 pandemic, and they did that primarily through new third-party management deals. The company is also piloting an innovative new infection control technology that could act as an alarm system for COVID-19 outbreaks. But before we get to that interview, I wanted to take a moment to promote our next Build Conference happening here in Chicago on November 17th and 18th. Build is an annual event dedicated to the latest trends in architecture, design, and innovation for senior living owners, operators, and developers. At Build, you'll hear how industry players are redefining senior living development and planting their stakes now to reshape the future. Be sure to visit seniorhousingnews.com slash events for the latest updates on Build and our other scheduled events in the future. And now, here's my interview with Rob Leinbach, Principal of Cadence Living. Rob Leinbach, thank you so much for joining me on Transform today. I wanted to start with an update on what Cadence Living has been up to lately. I know that this is a challenging time for operators all across the industry. So how has the past year or so gone for you all? Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Tim, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak with you. A lot of operators had, you know, interesting plans for 2020, and then all of us, uh, the plan became one thing and one thing only, and that is just an entire focus on protecting our residents uh, through this pandemic. You know, it really has been, you know, our entire team's, you know, singular focus. We've been fortunate enough to, you know, continue some measured growth, uh, you know, in the year from a company perspective, but, you know, it's been all hands on deck you know, all year for our residents. And I also wanted to get an update on, I'm sure that you are at least starting your vaccine efforts. So how, how has your, how has your COVID-19 vaccine efforts gone so far? What's been uh, the key to success there? Well, we're excited that we had three communities last week uh, have their first vaccination clinic, and we've got four more getting their first clinic this week. You know, we've been subject to the state's distribution efforts, and there's been certain states that have been a little slower than other states, as I'm sure everybody's been reading in the news. But our, our hope is that our entire portfolio will have experienced their first clinic by the end of January. There still are some some states states lagging. I guess you know, I, I guess think, I, I wanted to ask a, what, what has been the biggest challenge so far. It's really just, you know, we're in constant contact. We probably call our pharmacy partners every day, you know, where we where we are in states where we haven't heard yet from a particular community. But like I said, uh, we had three uh, last week, four this week. And, you know, the states that look like they're a little bit behind are states like California and Maryland. And it, and it may be California's side of things that, you know, that's just such a large state that they're, they're, they're still working through, uh, you know, significant layers. You mentioned growth a moment ago. I want to ask you about that. So I've watched from afar as you all have grown uh, in this past year, and I know we've talked about growth in the past. So I guess tell me, how has COVID-19 affected the way that Cadence is growing right now? And just generally, what's what's in your pipeline? What are you working on? 
Yeah, so we we came into the year, you know, thinking that there were going to be some, you know, interesting acquisition opportunities in in 2020 because of some of the overbuilding in certain markets that I think you and I have talked about in the past, Tim. You know, but COVID, you know, changed everything, right? We we just really focused on protecting our residents. Our team did really really fantastic job. Uh, I think that that was recognized. So, you know, we we saw some third-party management opportunities increase, I think, because of those efforts and the recognition of those efforts. So we were able to add, like I said, a few communities in 2020, but they were mostly on the the third-party management side as acquisitions pretty much dried up. Yeah, I wanted to actually ask you about the acquisition front. I remember, you know, this this was now a a couple years ago, but I remember that you and I had previously talked about how, and I think you mentioned it a moment ago, how how one of Cadence's strategies was to basically wait for the real estate cycle to turn and try to acquire some communities, maybe at a at a very good price. Now it seems to me like COVID nineteen could be a good time to do that, but I've talked with a lot of providers who say that the availability of capital is you know it's harder to get these days. So what I guess have have you had any success implementing that strategy in the past year? And what's the way forward with that strategy? Do you think that? You know, as a result of the pandemic, you you might start to see some of those deals cropping up here this year. Yeah, I think the result of the pandemic is, is just push those opportunities out. I think that, you know, if you acquire a building, and I think everybody sort of knew this, and the capital knew it as well. If you acquire a building in in May, and, you know, unless you're getting a really steep discount on the value, then you're more than likely to see some occupancy drain, you know, throughout the pandemic. So, you know, everybody is sort of sitting on the sidelines and waiting to get through the vaccine. There's been some PPP money and HHS money that has helped, you know, owners survive the the pandemic. So I think that opportunity is still coming, Tim. I just, it just got pushed out a year or two because of the, the pandemic. I also wanted to ask you about development projects that you have in the works. So have you been able to modify any of those projects maybe to be better positioned once this COVID-19 pandemic ends? You know, I, I knew that you had some things in the pipeline during the pandemic. So were you able to make any changes or, or did you see the need to make any changes? Well, you know, to back up a little bit, as I stated, we we were actually looking more towards, you know, I think acquisitions heading into 2020. I think one of the things that shifted for us is that we shifted back to looking at, you know, specific development projects because we were now looking at a, a scenario where we wanted to be two, three years out, you know, past, uh, hopefully, you know, the existence of this coronavirus. And also because the virus had the delayed a lot of the, you know, additional projects in the pipeline across the country and, and therefore giving, you know, demand an opportunity to catch up, whereas previously there had been some overbuilding. So, you know, from that perspective, Tim, in the first instance, we sort of shifted back to looking at our development pipeline two, three years, three years out away from an acquisition strategy. And then, yes, within that, it did refocus our attention to you know, the high barrier to entry markets, you know, we've really been looking coastal. And, you know, that was just intensified because you definitely want to make sure that you're in, you know, areas where where the demand is much needed coming out of this. And then, of course, there's all sorts of design changes uh, that have been going on throughout the development industry, you know, such as multiple entries, filtration systems, different wings, you know, smaller dining venues where you can separate out individuals in the community. And then, of course, you know, we're really excited about, you know, adding this, you know, outflow testing ability to all of our communities going forward where we can actually see what's in the building at real time, you know, from a virus perspective. 
Has Cadence changed its thinking at all regarding the kinds of projects you're undertaking? You know, I've talked with some providers who say that the pandemic has changed the way they feel about, you know, active adult or, or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, we saw, we saw this in the real estate crash back in 2006, that the first, you know, area to get hit the hardest is the discretionary, you know, move-in activity right on the independent living side. But it did bounce back in the 2012-2013 timeframe. We see that with the pandemic today. I think the, the lesson for us is, you know, diversity is key. If you're, you've got all your eggs in one basket, you know, and, and something hits to affect that basket, then, you know, uh, you're, you're in a little more trouble than if you're, you're well diversified across the, the portfolio. You know, we are doing, you know, active adult. We're all continue to do our, you know, age in place, ILAL memory care. And again, because we license the entire building assisted living, because we're putting full kitchens into every unit in those projects, that gives us the flexibility. If there's a, a hit to independent living, we can still move an assisted living resident into that unit. If there's a hit to assisted living, we can still move an independent living resident into that unit. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, affordable as well. So it, I think the key from our perspective is just to diversify between product lines. We So a moment ago, you mentioned this outflow testing, which I find personally very interesting. I'm, I'm not an expert on this, so you'll have to correct me, but I want to try to maybe take a stab at what this does. So basically, this is you are analyzing the waste material that is coming out of a community, and you're looking at that material for traces of the, of the coronavirus, and that will basically tell you whether or not you have an outbreak in your community. Is that, is that kind of the, the, the top level? And, and I guess, tell me more about this and how it works. Yeah, that is. And I'm, you know, I'm glad we're both at the top level here because I'm certainly not a technological <laughs> uh, expert in this, in this subject either. But the, the, the reason it's exciting, and I believe we're the first, you know, senior living operator to partner with an outflow testing company, but it's because the challenge with current PCR testing, you know, on individuals with coronavirus is that sometimes you have to wait two to three days and if they're, you know, for results. And if the labs are really overwhelmed, that could even, you know, go out four, five, six, seven days. And so you've got this two to three, you know, however long it takes, you've got this gap where somebody who is positive might be, you know, spreading the virus within the community. And so with, with outflow testing, you're exactly right. What you do is you put a sample box that is immersed in the sewage outflow from the community, and it is collecting data 24-7 in real time. And so, and that data is being uploaded to our partner, Pangolin Health, who is then analyzing that data with its labs. And as soon as something goes from nothing to something, it can tell us in real time, boom, you've got coronavirus in your building. And then we can then, you know, if we have multiple outflows, we can isolate where within the building that uh, positive, you know, result is occurring and go immediately lock that down and test everybody and then do contact uh, tracing from there. So it's in partnership with PCR testing and rapid testing, but it this added layer of protection, you know, allows us to analyze the data all the time. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, an alarm system, if you will, um, that will allow us to be more proactive in, in, in stopping the spread. And remind me again, I think that you, I, I remember seeing the press release that this was beta tested at a community in Arizona. And then the plan after that was to basically start to install this technology at other Cadence communities, right? That is correct. Yeah, sampling boxes have been installed at each of our four Phoenix area communities. They're pulling data right now. 
and then the labs are assessing the strength of that data, right? They're assessing the strength of the outflow and the results that came and came through it. So that's why it's still in this beta test mode. But as soon as Pangolin determines that the flow is sufficient, the data is reliable, then we're going to be able to remove the beta label, be fully functioning there, and then the uh, plan is to is is to roll it out, you know, across the country based upon you know the infrastructure timing from from Pangolin because it's their it's their sample boxes that we're installing. I think the other neat thing about this technology is that it's not just you know, you're not, you don't have to just test for coronavirus. You can test for anything. You know, the industry you know, has had shutdowns of our communities before, right, with things like norovirus. Um, and that's why, you know, we're particularly in, you know, in good, in good hands, you know, with our people in the, on the ground in the community that know how to deal with these and how we've been able to successfully maneuver through the pandemic. But we're going to be able to, to to see whatever is coming out of that outflow, whatever we want to test for going forward. I mean, really, you know, it's it's data and analytical driven, and, and it's going to give us a, a foot up on, on everyone. So it sounds like this might be something also that you carry on, you know, even after these vaccination efforts are successful. Yeah, our intention is that this is this is permanent, that this this will be a part of our of Cadence communities going forward. And we'll be and as the technology improves and increases, we'll be able to test you know, for all kinds of different things that may be present in the community. I wanted to switch gears and, and talk about a community that I remember I found pretty interesting and unique. I remember back, I think it was in 2019, you and I had talked about Cadence at Poway Gardens. Am I saying that right? Poway. Poway. Poway Gardens. And I remember, I think that we had we had talked about that community back when Cadence had around the time when 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 you all had first acquired it for our listeners at home this is a community with a working organic farm right rob it's it's got a lot of beautiful outdoor space T- i guess tell me more about this community and i guess my question is have these kinds of communities come in particular use during the pandemic considering that outdoor spaces seem to be so easy to do programming in. Yeah, no, it's certainly throughout our entire portfolio, the use of outdoor space, you know, has been a key aspect of our resident engagement. And it's extremely important. And yeah, and this this particular community cadence at Poway Gardens, it's it's very unique. It's it's uh, on 32 acres in the uh, San Diego area. As you stated, it does have its own organic gardens. I believe the number is about 12 tons of fresh produce that it produced in 2020. And then it uses, it partners up with a nonprofit in the community to distribute that to families in need as well as using it within the community. So it's a, it's an awesome horticultural program. It's, it's one of a kind. It was the reason we were attracted to the community in the first instance. We have been successful in continuing that horticulture program throughout the pandemic in terms of our residents being able to utilize the gardens and also in terms of producing the produce and distributing it to those in need. Where we, of course, have had to shut down during the pandemic is those intergenerational and intercommunity interactions within the garden. Whereas in the past, we've been able to you know, have school kids come and, and garden with our residents, those kinds of things we unfortunately had to shut down during the pandemic. And we're really looking forward to getting them started again post-vaccine. Yeah. Does does this pandemic, though, change your thinking about how these programs work in the future? You know, I think in the past, we all took for granted the ability to work in close quarters and to mingle with, with lots of other people. But does the fact that this pandemic forced us all to, you know, basically stay farther apart, does that change your thinking on how these programs might work in the future? 
Well, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're humans and what we need is that connection and we need that engagement. We need that interaction. We need to be able to hug people. And so, you know, does it make me realize and recognize the importance of outdoor space? A hundred percent. I agree, Tim. But does it make me think that we're not going to get to a place where we're hugging each other and connecting as human beings? I, I sure hope not. You know, uh, Caden certainly views that as as vital human interaction and part of our mission to create meaning for our residents on, on a go forward basis. I give you a personal example. You know, when this when this pandemic started, my mother was in independent living in a community up in Seattle. And as everybody knows, Seattle got hit, you know, first and hardest, you know, in the industry. And so, you know, she was locked down as an independent living resident, you know, in her apartment for months. And that isolation, she deteriorated, you know, so quickly, you know, that by summer, she needed memory care. She just skipped over assisted living. And so I had to drive up to Seattle this summer and and put her in a car and drive her back down to Arizona and 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 place her into the memory care into one of our communities here in Arizona. And, you know, it was it was pretty shocking to see, you know, how how fast isolation, you know, can affect, you know, residents. And so, you know, now that she's in a memory care setting where we have all those protections in place, but there's because of the out protections from the outside, you know, my mom is getting engaged on a daily basis with activities and friends and, and being able to go out in the gardens at our community here in Arizona. She's actually improved substantially since going from independent living to memory care. So it's really been, you know, a lesson in the importance on engagement. I'm glad that your your mother seems to be doing better in that setting. I've heard from a lot of other providers that that have shared similar stories about their residents. So this is, I think, a it's absolutely a hard time for for senior living residents right now. Rob, I also wanted to ask you about about hiring. I know that that this year Cadence has steadily grown its management and leadership pool. I also know that from talking with providers across the industry that there seems to be sort of two different stories, you know, for hiring for corporate and management positions versus hiring for your frontline positions. So what what is the hiring market right now, at least for Cadence Living? And are you finding that difference between, you know, hiring for management or leadership positions versus hiring for your frontline workers? Yes, uh, it, it, you know, we, we absolutely have experienced the same thing. And frontline workers remain remain a challenge industry-wide. You know, we were, you know, hoping that, you know, with hotels and restaurants struggling, that that would increase the labor pool. But then, you know, on the offset of that is the substantial need from hospitals for nurses. And then you also have had, you know, unemployment benefit uh, relief for a lot of the hotel and restaurant empl- employees. And then, you know, frankly, you know, there still is this, you know, some people, you know, affected by coronavirus and, and potentially not want to join an industry in which in which, you know, they're truly frontline workers, you know, in the face of the pandemic. And so, you know, we have been extremely fortunate to attract excellent corporate talent. You know, our team is growing and deep and talented. And so we've been extremely excited about our ability to aggregate talent at the corporate level. But yes, staffing on the front line remains a challenge and we are, you know, focused on, you know, differentiating ourselves to our employees in the communities and, and, and also, you know, extremely hopeful that on the other side of the vaccine, you know, I think you will see that, that there is a, a greater labor pool out there once that happens. 
I've heard from providers that basically some applicants tell them that, well, you know, I can do a, a similar job down the street and I don't have to worry as much about, about COVID-19. And we, you know, whether or not that is true is, is, I think, debatable, but it does seem like there is a real need to try to demonstrate to prospective frontline workers that, hey, this is a, you know, these, are, these communities are safe. You know, you can come work here. These are places where you want to work. So how are you differentiating Cadence when it comes to the hiring market? What are some ways that you are positioning yourself to be the, the employer of choice for these people? Yeah, I mean, it's good. My answer is going to sound cliche, so I apologize in advance for that. But I think that, you know, we're, we're super fortunate at Cadence and, and Eric and I as founders are just, you know, every day grateful for, for our team around us because, you know, everybody is there not just to pick up a paycheck and, and be in senior living, but actually to make a difference to be disruptive, to create meaning. And this pandemic has only, you know, increased that desire. And so, you know, we, we're we going to, you know, make sure that we're attracting, you know, team members in the community that share those values. And we'll have, we'll have an increased, you know, as we said, 2020, what have operators been doing? We've been focused on, you know, just protecting residents. So what's Cadence looking at in 2021? Well, it's entirely on, you know, the cadence culture, spreading that, surrounding ourselves with people that want to be successful and create amazing environments inside the community that actually care and want to make a difference. And then also compensate them, you know, in a way that incentivizes everybody to be, you know, going forward this together, you know, with success. And so really our 2021 focus is going to be, you know, back to those things and making sure that all of our communities live up to our standards and that our people are unified in, you know, pushing those values and sharing those values and that they get rewarded if they do. And I know everybody says those things, but, you know, you actually have to go out and do it. And it starts with listening. So, you know, we've got a, a Cadence Culture Committee that has been meeting in January and February of this year. And, you know, the next step is to go out and be listeners, listen to our residents, listen to our team members, listen to our, you know, listen to the industry. And, you know, if you show that you are listening and that you are, you know, and then you work together to create, you know, plans and strategies, usually you're successful. I agree with you. Listening is is very important, especially as a reporter. I wanted to talk, we, we've sort of talked around this today. I wanted to talk to you about wellness. I know that Cadence places a lot of emphasis on wellness in its communities and on holistically engaging residents. I, I also know that wellness is is simply uh, harder to achieve during a, a pandemic like this that, that makes life so hard in senior living communities for residents. So how has COVID-19 affected the way that you're able to provide wellness services in your communities? And what are some ways that you are, you know, finding success in your wellness programs, even during this pandemic? The biggest you know, unfortunate circumstance of the pandemic has been the limitation of family visitation, right? Although my, you know, my story with my mom, although my mom is now getting engaged and she's doing well, you know, from a, you know, an engagement perspective, you know, I still can't go hug her. And neither can the, you know, family members of our residents because we have, you know, implemented, you know, supervised, you know, visitation, but it's with masks. It's at a, it's at a safe distance, right? It's just, it's just not the same. So, you know, that has been the most challenging thing about this, about this pandemic. So that's what we're really looking forward to, 
you know, on the other side of this vaccine, bringing back the outside community into the community and bringing our inside of the community back out to the outside community, because it's that community interaction and, and human interaction that we, you know, so incredibly value. You know, our team has, has adapted by uh, using iPads and doing window visits and doing, like I said, supervised outdoor visits. And in some cases, you know, if, if the community count surrounding them was so low, we could get them inside uh, the building in an in a, uh, isolated area that was disinfected after every visit. So we've been doing everything possible to make that interaction, you know, happen in a safe way. You know, we'd ever use, you know, social distancing. We, that, that term does not exist in our communities. It's physical distancing because we're constantly, you know, socially engaging. You know, we've done, you know, spaced out small group activities. We've done hallway activities. We've done, you know, in Zoom entertainment. We've done, you know, uh, bands playing outside the window. So, you know, the team's been great about being as creative as possible to, you know, create an engagement with the residents to do as much as they possibly could to make it uh, uh, as possible. At the end of the day, you know, we really do need to get on the other side of this vaccine, though, so we can we can bring the outside world back into the communities. I want to talk about the future. We've we've talked a little bit about this, I think, and you, you had mentioned making residents the priority, you know, keeping them safe, their priority in, in this, this coming year. But in terms of, you know, operationally and in terms of growth and then in terms of strategic initiatives, what is in store for, for perhaps the, the first six months from now? And what are you preparing for? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, we've, we've been fortunate that we've, we've been able to have you know, the growth we've had over the last couple of years. We're now at a, at a, at a place where we're at about 35 communities with a pipeline of, you know, developments of another five or so. We kind of like that size. We like where we are now. And the first six months for us is, you know, going to be focusing on, on execution and, and, and bringing back the joy to the communities that was existed pre, you know, coronavirus getting through the vaccine and re-engaging with the outside community. I think that's the immediate goal for us is to get through those vaccines and try to get back to a pre-COVID world uh, within our communities. And I think the second thing is something that I mentioned earlier, which is, you know, a listening tour. And then how do we take those those responses from the listening tour and how do we convert those into, you know, being the, the, the most innovative, progressive, you know, team oriented, you know, senior living operator out there? Because that's what we want to be. You know, we're not, you know, we're, you know, again, fortunate we have employees that want to get better every day. Uh, but the truth is every, you know, operator needs to get better every day. And so, you know, we understand that and, and we're going to be pushing that. It's sort of a, you know, it's a commitment to culture this year you know, that needs to happen. And then on the on the actual community growth side, you know, we've really been just looking at a development pipeline. We're still focused more two years out in terms of community count growth. We want to make sure that we're outstanding in on our current portfolio and then looking forward to two, three years out. Rob, this is uh, this is everything that I think we can talk about today. We've reached the end of our time together, but thank you so much for coming on Transform, Rob. This has been great. Well, I appreciate your time, Tim, and and you can imagine how much thinking we've all done in this industry over the last you know you know twelve months. So you're right. We could we could probably talk for ten years over the last twelve months. <laughs> and then there will be many more things to talk about. Uh, Rob, Rob, <laughs> thank you again. <laughs> thank you. That does it for this episode of Transform. 
I would again like to mention our upcoming build event in Chicago on November 17th and 18th. Be sure to visit seniorhousingnews.com slash events for the latest updates on build and on our other scheduled events. I'm Tim Regan for Senior Housing News. Thanks for listening.